God's Word is more than a suggestion. It's life-changing. They knew that they could plow, it would finish that year, and they would have a harvest because God had revealed it. Not because they sought the stars, not because they were great farmers, but because they listened to what God had revealed. And many people, they're in famish. They're, they're in a spiritual famine in the house of God because they do not hear and obey the Word of God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. How am I going to get through this job loss? What's going to happen if my career gets worse? Didn't God promise to take care of me? God's promises often seem contrary to the situation, but that's only when you look at life from man's perspective. Today, as Pastor Xavier continues his series from the book of Genesis, he takes the time to remind us of the blessings that fall upon those who depend on the Lord and not their circumstances. Let's listen. The message entitled, Blessed Beyond Imagination. Israel has received the message of Joseph to come to Egypt and also the command of Pharaoh. But he knew the final authority over his life was Yahweh. So he stopped at Beersheba to sacrifice and to get his orders from God. That's always the bottom line. The journey of Israel to dwell in Egypt consists of three movements. The first is found in verse 28 of chapter 46 all the way down to verse 12 of chapter 47. And here we have the temporal residence of the family of Jacob in Egypt. Notice secondly comes the administerial wisdom of the remaining years of famine in Egypt, verse um, 13 to 26. In verse 13 to 14, Joseph continued to sell grain. The situation became severe. In verse 13, the famine continued. Now there was uh, no bread in the land, for the famine was very severe. Two years had passed. They had come the second, after the second year. Five years were left. Notice the famine was extensive in verse 13, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. Things were bad. Canaan was also affected. Both languished, meaning they fainted. They were exhausted. The land was depleted. In verse 14, Joseph gathered up all the money and was found in the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan, both places, for the grain which they bought. The word gather up stresses the severity of the famine. It is used of gleaning the scraps. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. Not Joseph's house. People get down on Joseph. It was all Pharaoh's. Look at verse 15 through 17. Joseph then exchanged their livestock for grain. The situation went from bad to worse. So when the money fell in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed. The solution was a barter system. Look at verse 16. Joseph said, Give me your livestock, and I will give you the bread for your livestock, if the money has gone. So those who still had a little money, they could use the money. But those, the majority didn't have it. So they used their livestock. Now, the summary statement comes in verse 17. So they brought their livestock to Joseph. Joseph gave them bread in exchange for the horses, the flocks, their cattle, herds, and for their donkey. This is the first mention of the horse in the Bible. Thus, he fed them with bread in exchange for all their livestock that year. This would be the fourth of the fifth year. The first one was the first three. This is the fourth now of the five. 
Then in verse 18 through 22, Joseph took their land for grain and made them servants to eat of Egypt. The situation got desperate in verse 18. When that year ended, the one that we just talked about, they came to him the next year and said to him, we will not hide from my Lord that our money is gone. My Lord also has our herds and livestock. This has to be the fifth and the last year of famine. This is the last year, the fifth of the five or the seventh of the total seven of famine. Uh, there is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our lands. Now, understand that Joseph knows this is the last year of famine. The people know this is the last year. This is not a guesswork. God has revealed it. They, they know. They're using wisdom on how to get through these things. They're measuring themselves. The solution came directly from the people's own mouth. Look at 19. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants of Pharaoh. At this point, though there is only one year left of famine, if they do not take this drastic measure, they will die. I don't care how much land you have, you can't eat it. People are, oh, buy gold, gold, gold. Listen, you can't eat gold. The lands would do them no good. But they're on a timetable. They understand this. And so he says, give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land may not be desolate. The people in Joseph knew the famine would be over at the end of this year, the seventh year or the fifth of the five that were left. Jacob came to Egypt on the second year. After the second year, in chapter 45, verse 6. Therefore, they knew that they could plow, it would finish that year, and they would have a harvest on the eighth. Because God had revealed it. Not because they sought the stars, not because they were great farmers, because they listened to what God had revealed. And many people, famine. They, they're, they're in famished. They're, they're, they're in a spiritual famine in the house of God because they do not hear and obey the word of God. Hmm. The summary statement again comes in verse 20. And then Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for every man of the Egyptians sold their field because the famine was severe upon them. And so the land became Pharaoh's, not Joseph. In 21, and as for the people, he moved them into the cities from one end of the borders of Egypt to another to have the people close the supply of grain for efficiency and not having them to travel long distance. Wisdom. Wisdom. Only the land of the priests is the exception in verse 22. That he did not buy. For the priests had rations allotted from them, from Pharaoh, and they ate the rations which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, they did not sell their lands. Interesting, the Levites also had exemptions on certain things as we go through Levitical law. You find this also. Now Joseph prescribed the conditions of their servitude in verse 23 through 26. In 23, he affirms their contract. Then Joseph said to the people, Indeed, I have bought you and your lands this day for Pharaoh. Notice the land was not Joseph's again, but Pharaoh's. Look, here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. If this isn't the last year, the sowing would be worthless. 
he announced the allotted portion they were to give the Pharaoh. And it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh, a tax of 20%. I, could li- I, well, I would jump at that. The tax in our country today is from 40 to 60%. If you add up all your sales tax, property tax, and everything else, you add them all the tax up and, and you're up there. Four-fifths shall be your own. That's good. It'll be their own as for the field, seed for the field, and for your food, for your household, and food for your little ones. Then he heard the appreciation of the people in 25 and 26. And so they said, you have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. Then he said, ah, you stink, you politicians, you liar, you, you. No, he was so gracious, 20%. They've lost everything. You see, slavery was an accepted way of bailing people out out of a, out of a situation of destitution. We don't understand. Many people look at the Bible and say, oh, the Bible, I, it can't be of God. It's, it's slavery. It, it, it goes along with slavery. It teaches slavery. Listen, slavery from the American mind is one thing. From the biblical perspective is another. The Bible provided in society in those days, if you were destitute, you could sell yourself into servanthood for five, six, seven years, whatever it was, to pay your debts honorably, have a roof over your head, food, And then when you leave, you have a little change in your pocket. You enter society again. Our system throws you on the street. It's a bad system. So the slavery that we're talking about biblically is not what we understand as Westerners. The Levitical law also gave those provisions. You would serve for six, pay your debt. On the seventh, you were released. And by the way, you had provisions for your kinmen to redeem that debt and to pay it off if you wanted to. So it's not what we understand as Westerners. So again, the problem is cultural, isn't it? And Joseph made it a law in the land of Egypt to this day that Pharaoh should get one-fifth except for the land of the priests, only which did not become Pharaoh. So incredible wisdom. It's interesting that there will be famine during the tribulation on the third seal in Revelation 6.6. Famine has is, is, is always happened. We've known many famines that go all over today. But the famines happen not because we cannot feed, but we will not feed people. We threw, throw away more food in America in one day than we can feed the world. Restaurants can't sell certain things because they have dates, and if they give it to somebody, they get sick, they get sued. So it's economics. That's our problem today, to feed the world. Do you realize that we have more fat dogs than we have fat people in the rest of the world? Dogs get treated, their animals get treated better than people do in the world. They have insurance, they see shrinks, they get buried and everything else. We have got a big problem as Americans. We worship the creature more than the creator, which is blessed forevermore. Hmm. There are to be priorities on how we make financial decisions as Christians. Spend within your means. Luxuries are last. Let me give you two scriptures very important. 2 Corinthians 5, 3, 5 is the first one. Paul says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Ministry, everything. It's only sufficient and efficient in God. But then on the financial side, he says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, listen, 
And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. That's a stoic word for sufficiency. Paul is talking to the Corinthians about the offering they were going to give to the poor saints in Jerusalem. And that word is a stoic word, which means that you are such a steward of your finances that you never have need of anybody helping you, but you, in fact, help others. Wow, that's to the pagans. How much more is Christians? The administral wisdom of the remaining years of famine in Egypt was efficient due to depending on God. He gave the direction, the guidance. Notice lastly, and it's short, it's the providential care by God for the family of Jacob in Egypt, verse 27 through 31. In 27, the promise to increase them is given. The method that God uses is a shocker. So Israel dwelt in the land of where? Egypt. Egypt is always a type of the world in Scripture. Abraham went down to Egypt during the famine in the land under the, his own cleverness and lost his witness in Genesis 12. As he said, his, his wife was his sister. <laughs> God forbade Isaac to go down to Egypt during the famine in Genesis 26 too. So what is the key? The key is to go down only when God says he's prepared your way. God revealed the famine to come to Pharaoh in Genesis 41. God has sent Joseph ahead to be second to Pharaoh in Genesis 41. God told Jacob at Beersheba to go down to Egypt in 46.3. And if you remember in Matthew 2.13, God sent his son through the hand of Joseph to flee Herod's threat of life to Egypt. Egypt is okay if God sends you. You understand? Like Daniel in the lion's den. If God's with you, you don't have to worry about the lion. But if God hasn't, then you're dinner. Notice the manner of blessing was the best in the country of Goshen. Goshen being the fertile crescent there, the Delta Nile, northeast. The conditions for raising sheep were ideal. They would be isolated a bit more, keeping a pure race. The propagation of the nation came to be, and they had possession possessions there and grew and multiplied exceedingly. God told Abraham he would put him in Egypt for 400 years. You remember when? Genesis 15, 13. This prophecy and the fulfillment in Exodus for 40 years was prophesied in chapter 15. This is the hand of God all over the place. God told Abraham he would multiply him as the stars of the heavens, the sands of the sea in Genesis 15, 5 and 22, 17. God told Jacob, at Beersheba, listen, for I will make of you a great nation there, and I will go down with you to Egypt, and will also surely bring you up again. I will not only send you down, I'll go down with you, and I'm going to bring you out. God was with them in Egypt. 600,000 men walked out of Egypt. Add one woman, a million two hundred. Add the average of three kids, you've got easy three million, and you've got more women than men, so you've got more than that, conservatively speaking. But long-term-wise, God's fulfillment, listen to Ezekiel 37, 10 through 12, regarding Israel. And he commanded me, and breathed into them, and they lived, the valley of bones. And they stood on their feet, the exceedingly great army. 
Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy, say to them, Thus saith the Lord Yahweh Elohim, Behold, I am... Oh, my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from the graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Amazing. May 14, 1948, Israel became a nation for the third time. He says, I'm going to take you to Egypt. I'm going to bring you out 430 years later. Jesus prophesied over them. He would scatter them and bring them back at the end. They've come back in 1948, May 14. God is faithful. Now notice the promise regarding Israel's death in verse 28 through 29. The time Jacob resided in Egypt, he lived in the land 17 years. Is God good? Just as God had told him at Beersheba, chapter 46, 17 years he was there with his son. Goodness of God. The long life of Jacob, 147. 77 in Canaan, 20 in Padaram, 33 in Canaan again, 17 in Egypt. The death of Jacob with Joseph then is given when the time drew near that Israel must die. He called for his son Joseph. Now in the next chapter, we're going to get when he calls, he's dying and he calls all his children and he prophesies over them. So this is a precursor here to what's going on there. The mercy of God, 17 more years with his son. He lost so many years. He had him here. Now look at the promise of the land would equally take place in time. In the 29 to 31, the promise to bury Jacob in Canaan comes. And he said, now, if I have found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh. Deal kindly, truly with me. Please do not bury me in Egypt. This was the customary manner of an oath. We saw it back in Genesis 24, 2 and 9, where Eliezer, the servant, went to seek out a bride for Isaac, put his hand by the thigh. But let me die with my father and shall carry me out of Egypt, bury me in the burial place, the cave of the field of Machpelah before Manri and Canaan. Genesis 23, he bought that field. The burial place of Sarah, Abraham, Rebekah, Isaac, and Leah. And he said, I will do as you have said. Jacob has become a man of faith finally. Joseph, the man of faith, confirms his oath. And the promise is affirmed by Joseph in 31. He says, swear to me. Jacob wanted assurance. And he swore to him. Joseph gave him that assurance. So Israel bowed his head, himself on the, on the head of his bed. The book of Hebrews says he worshiped on the top of his staff, quoting the Septuagint in Hebrews 11.21. The idea being he's old and he's feeble. The Masoretic text, they added vowels, and the two words between bed and staff are so close together that they go one way or the other. No big deal. The whole idea behind it, he's old, he's leaning on the staff or the head of his bed. That's the intention. As we believe God, that he led us to start a church in Alhambra. We looked to him for everything. And he was faithful in a prophetic sense to us as he called us and brought us to Pasadena. We weren't even considering it. And he gave us this building. And we have depended on him and he has taken care of us incredibly. This is not a boast, this is a testimony. And God has taken care of the building. We're on the radio, different places. God has advanced ministry, increased staff, and no one has ever been pressured. We at Calvary Child Passing it believe, I mean, we really believe, not like a lot of people say, that where God guides, He provides. 
If God's not in it, let it go. Hmm. The Lord wants to increase your life. First, in growth and the knowledge of the Word of God in your life. Secondly, your development, that you're sure you're moving on, and your maturity, so that every level you're moving on. Second Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Are you pressing forward? Or at the same place you were many years ago? The Lord would have each of us believe as believers and understand that He acts to the church as He pleases. He saves, not us. Those who are going to be saved, those who are going to attend, that's God's business. The various ministries will be met by the body because their body needs, and we're a witness to those who are coming in. In every Christian's life, there's commitment to be involved in every way. And certainly, as we never touch finances, but the Bible teaches when we go through it, we talk about it. Here's the principle of finances. We're involved in it because we love the Lord for what he's done for us, and we love the church, and we love what God is doing. And we see evidence God in it. No other reason. The motive has to be pure. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says, For though by this time you ought to have been teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So you have to move on. You can't remain spiritually retarded, okay? That may not be too politically correct, but that's the facts, Jack. You need to press on. The Lord would have each of us to see such an increase in growth in our lives spiritually, um, evident by being filled um, Every day, moving forward until the day we die, making us more like him, yielding more to his love, trusting him more and more in new areas, till one day he translates us and we see him face to face. <laughs> Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only for me, but also all those who love his appearing. Second Timothy 4. Do you love his appearing? Are you looking for Jesus Christ? Or are you just kicking it? It'll show in your life. The Lord would have all of us as Christians believe that prophetically one day the church will be removed from this earth. We will be raptured. It's the blessed hope. Only to return with him to set up the kingdom and be here reigning with him for a thousand years in our honeymoon. So are you fighting for a little piece of land? Hey, you're going to have the whole earth. Hmm. Then we have the eternity with him. The providential care by God for the family of Jacob in Egypt was prophetic in fulfillment of the word of God. Here you have the journey of Israel to dwell in Egypt consisting of these three movements. The temporal residence of the family of Jacob in Egypt was by the hand of God, only his hand. The administrative wisdom of of the remaining years of famine in Egypt was efficient due to depending on God and the providential care by God for the family of Jacob in Egypt was prophetic in fulfillment of the word of God see all these things apply to us all of them and if you really look at your life 
if you're walking with God, you have to say, blessed beyond imagination. <laughs> you can't say anything else. Pastor Xavier Reese with an encouraging reminder of your position in Christ, a position that's worth remembering when things don't seem to be going your way. And you can get a copy of today's message, Blessed Beyond Imagination. It's available on CD for just $4. Now this also includes what we heard the last time we were together as well. So the title once more is Blessed Beyond Imagination, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure to put the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This helps us monitor the impact of this outreach in your area. There's no question, life is full of problems, but what happens when those problems get overwhelming? Find out when you tune in to the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com